Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is, I'm pretty sure it's going to say, Elvis on the front of this episode. It's on the right. And the reason for that is, I've obviously given away the answer to that one, but just think about how we use these incredibly archaic forms of government in the modern world, because the other name that Elvis was known as was the King of Rock and Roll. And yet, America was founded on the idea of rejecting a monarch and to be a republic. And I know that Elvis was an extremely proud American. He served his country in the military, so why use the word king in reference to him? And it, it, there's even more examples of that. For example, <laughs> we've got, I guess at the top, Elvis, at least in terms of titles. Then you've got Prince, yeah, and also one of the best bands coming out of Britain in the 70s, Queen, which makes no sense because none of them are female. But once you also realize that it's slang for a certain type of gay man, then that makes complete sense with Freddie Mercury. And also, you've got somebody like Queen Latifah in the hip-hop world. It's interesting that I've mentioned them before, but you get something like the Sex Pistols, where they really went for the Queen. On their album, seminal debut album, there's literally a picture of the Queen. Slashed up, yes, and mutilated. Why did they pick that rather than the government of the time? Because monarchy had more of a general power amongst the masses. Queen Elizabeth II, and it was coming up to the Silver Jubilee at that time, she was in the news a lot, and therefore pushing against it, defacing the image of the beloved monarch, had an impact in the 1970s, not in the 1270s, in the 1970s. I could go on with this, but you get the idea. What One last example that can be in conversation, if I'm going to... A remarkable dinner, to be sure, but if I was going to have dinner 
with Harry Kane, David Beckham and Lionel Messi, you might be saying, ah, oh, well, you're having dinner with footballing royalty then. Do you see what I mean? It crops up a surprising amount, and yet we don't tend to use Khan or Emperor nearly as much in everyday conversation. So I'm going to look a little bit into what exactly is the meaning of a king and how it still has potency clearly in the modern world later on, but it does allow me to look at one of the first musicians to be compared with a title of incredible importance, one Mr. Elvis Aaron Presley. Give him a warm hayride welcome. Mr. Elvis Presley. So, do I really need to tell you too much about who he was? A little less conversation, a little more action, please. You know it. And, and if you like, that's where the argument about him being the king of rock and roll makes sense. Because if you were in, let's say, the year 1300 and you're an average peasant in England, you wouldn't know a lot, but you would know that Edward was the king. You wouldn't necessarily understand what he was doing at that point, but that's the idea. And the other intriguing thing around all of this is, whereas Elvis Presley did not walk into rooms and demand to be called the king, some people did call him the king, affectionately. But who was his manager? One Colonel Tom Parker, who wasn't a colonel and whose name also wasn't Tom Parker. His name was Andreas van Kuyk, and he was Dutch, if you couldn't guess from that. He moved to America in 1929, bad timing for him, and he never officially had American citizenship. This was a big issue because as Elvis got bigger and bigger, he wanted to tour the world. You can't tour the world if you don't have a passport. And if you arrived illegally or under the radar or what have you, then Tom Parker persuaded Elvis to stay in the States. So that's a whole story we'll get to in a little bit. But the thing about Elvis is there was obviously a very successful movie about him recently, directed by Baz Luhrmann, and it made a lot of money. It was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And I, ugh, I'm not a fan of Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann does the same thing in every movie, which is generally, in my opinion, not the sign of a great director. People change their styles, go into different genres, etc. Whereas you have frenetic camera work, incredibly fast cut scenes, and it's all about the visuals and the music rather than this thing called character. The one time I think it coalesced perfectly was in Moulin Rouge. And I'm aware that his big break was Strictly Ballroom, and then he did Australia, and you know, there's a bunch of movies out there. I'm not a fan of Romeo plus Juliet. There are better versions of Romeo and Juliet out there. When people say, oh, it's so clever setting it in modern-day America, well, it's not modern-day America. The thing about the whole Romeo and Juliet thing is it's just not really in our world, is it? It's kind of clever when they turn around and say, hand me my sword, and you'll see on the side of the gun, it's from the manufacturer called Sword. Oh, very clever. But no gang in LA ever looked like that. It's very Baz Luhrmann. And also critically, and this is true to the plot, that after you get 
Romeo murdering somebody, he's then cast into exile, which is the sort of thing that happened in the 1500s. It's not how the US law enforcement agencies work today. You don't get sent, and this is literally what happens in the movie, you get sent to a trailer park in Nevada. That's just weird. So, not a fan of his stuff. Now, I want to be clear, I think Austin Butler in the Elvis movie is sensational. I think I've mentioned it before. Strangely, he follows me on Twitter. I don't know why. He has never meaningful interacted with me apart from saying, oh, I'm changing my account and then I'll follow you on that one. Okay, but he doesn't follow many people. He does have hundreds of thousands of followers. I love the way that he's evolved from kids TV into really hard hitting stuff like Elvis and he absolutely should have been nominated. I sent him a direct message when I saw the movie and went, you should absolutely be nominated. I'm pleased that he did. Sad he didn't win. And the bald, pale visage of him in June 2, another really interesting role that he's doing. There's also a Band of Brothers series coming out in early 2024. The first one was Band of Brothers about paratroopers in World War II. Second series was called The Pacific, which is about largely Marines in the Pacific theatre of World War II. This one, I don't know what it's called off the top of my head, but it's about the pilots of the heavy bombers, like the Flying Fortresses, the B-17s, in World War II, and he's one of the air crew. So Austin Butler is just going places, and this is one of the reasons why Baz Luhrmann annoys me, because he was doing such a great job playing Elvis over a 20-odd year period, 30-odd year period, and he was completely believable as the fresh-faced young Elvis and the bloated, middle-aged, soon-to-die Elvis. Remarkable performance if the camera and the editor would linger on his performance rather than cut away to a thing. Ugh. So, yeah, I love Moulin Rouge. Love it to bits. But you can't just keep making the same movie every time, and not every topic needs to be turned into a pop video for two hours. Even, to be honest, Moulin Rouge, for the first 10 minutes, it's like, will this editing ever settle down? And it does. A bit. At least it's not as insane as the first 15 minutes. But Tom Hanks, reliable, lovely Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, who I adore in so many different movies, from his early comedies to his very serious movies in the 90s onwards. You know, be it Captain Phillips, Bridge of Spies. There are so many great things that he's been in. He's also been in the remake of Pinocchio. Sorry about that. But in this, he seems to be playing the Penguin. Now, I am aware that Colonel Tom Parker was quite the character and overweight and had a Dutch accent. Why anybody thought he was American is beyond me. But anyway, he seems to be playing Penguin from a Batman movie and it's distracting and it could be his most one-note performance ever. This is a man who won back-to-back -back Oscars. So, yeah. it's not the best Elvis movie, okay? I'm just putting it out there. But again, Austin Butler, you're great. And now for a comparison. I keep going on about Baz Luhrmann's movie because it's been the big one. But in 2023, you might have missed the fact that there was another movie around the world of Elvis called... Priscilla, directed by Sofia Coppola, and it was well-reviewed, and obviously it's seeing the same story from the perspective of Priscilla Presley, Elvis's wife, 
it was thoughtful, it was a character study, and it was the yin to Elvis's yang. And when I say Elvis, I'm talking about the Baz Luhrmann movie. But, and here's where I've got to hold my hands up, and this is what Baz Luhrmann got right, that's the one that made a ton of money. Priscilla was an almost blink-and-you-missed-it event in the theatres. Now, there were other things going on. It was come out at the tail end of the actor's strike. It was the time when movies in the whole of 2023 weren't doing particularly well. So it sunk for other reasons. But I'm going to say, if you actually watched that as a double bill, you'd think it's about two completely different people, and the styles are utterly opposite of each other, and that Priscilla is, quite frankly, the better film. Again, I want to say that the best performance of Elvis is in the movie Elvis, but oh my goodness, the rest of the trappings are just irritating. Watch Priscilla. It needs some more love. Now, going back to Elvis himself, he is a controversial figure nowadays. There was a band, a black rock band, in the 80s and 90s called Living Colour, and they had this song called Elvis is Dead. One of the lines is... And also Public Enemy, about the same time, was in Fight the Power. It talks about... Elvis was a racist. So I don't believe that Elvis was a racist. I think we have to look at Sam Phillips of Sun Records, which is the very first place a teenage Elvis wandered into and tried to record some records. And because he grew up dirt poor, the Presleys had nothing. If you were to watch to Kill a Mockingbird, and you see that incredibly poor white family that's resentful of the black man, therefore they end up accusing him of rape. Just awful, amazing movie, an amazing book, yes, but obviously reflecting some incredibly awful attitudes in Southern America. The Presleys were basically like that, so they had almost nothing. And those sorts of white, poor farmers would be in the black communities, Elvis grew up hearing gospel music. He didn't know that that was meant to be exclusively a black thing. He liked the music, and it inspired him as he grew up. And so he used what he knew. I know this is a tired cliche that has been used many times before, but in the world of hip-hop, you get the same accusations being thrown at Eminem. And it was really interesting in an interview with Dr. Dre, where his whole life he had experienced racism at the hands of white police officers in L.A. But he was now witnessing racism from black people who he respected, who were saying, this is black music, white people aren't allowed. And Dre was saying, but he's good. And he enjoys it. And he's honest. This, this, He's not going home to his mansion and pretending to be a poor, frustrated white boy. That's who he is. And he's talented. And Elvis started that. And it starts this conversation about cultural appropriation. Can you culturally appropriate music? Well, if you literally record somebody else's song, 
I think there's a strong case for that. But you generally credit them and give them money as well. And that's what happened with Elvis. However, it is worth remembering that at the time that Elvis was growing up, black musicians simply weren't allowed on mainstream radio. They weren't allowed to fill the largest auditorium. And also they were not allowed to be on TV. Or if they were, it was very much the exception that proves the rule. Elvis was able, in the words of Sam Phillips, be able to sing black music the black way. I'm very much changing the language here because I don't want to get cancelled. But he's a white guy. And so I absolutely get why people are upset. But Elvis was not the problem. Elvis didn't care. He just wanted to sing. And this is where I think we have to be a little bit careful about Elvis as a whole. And he is a good example of separating the artist from the art. Because do you know what? There's a lot of artists out there with really sucky lives. They've done terrible things. They might be a modern day actor or they might be a Renaissance painter. Looking at you, Caravaggio did a whole episode about him and so many others. You know, they've shot people or they've murdered people or they've had a string of affairs and been unfaithful. None of these things are to be lauded, but when you hear their music or see their paintings, it's like it's from a higher authority rather than a serial philanderer who might have got involved in a violent bar brawl every weekend. That just takes the edge off it. And so in the case of Elvis, I think there can be no doubt that by nine, I mean, this is a thing. He broke in the 50s, not in the 60s. He paved the way for the 60s. There's no way something like the Beatles could have happened without Elvis. He is instrumental in forming the modern concept of popular music. And the other thing he fomented is we're talking about a guy in his early 20s being on stage. And in the words of one of his band members, they would start off with you ain't nothing but a hound dog and the crowd which was very heavily female just went wild and it's worth remembering that the 1950s in america in terms of morality and button-downed attitudes was very similar to something like the victorian era it was unheard of that you would be able to have women sort of screaming and tearing at their clothes that just was not the done thing So Elvis, a little bit like the Beatles, although again, he came first. He was the innovator. There were times when the band couldn't even hear themselves playing. The screaming was so loud. There had to be security on standby as these young girls, overcome with their hormones and emotions, just felt the need to throw themselves at him. And the other example, going back to the Beatles, you get the famous stadium tour where they were in Shea Stadium, which is a baseball stadium. It didn't have a proper auditory experience in there. They were blasting it out of the public announcement speakers. The sound quality was awful and their band basically couldn't hear what they were playing and the crowd didn't care. They were just standing there screaming at these men. Quick sidebar story that... 
my mother-in-law when she was a teenage girl back in the 60s she went to see the Beatles and she was one of the girls who rushed the stage <laughs> and her memory was they managed to bring down George Harrison <laughs> I mean, it's the thing. If they were all burly skinheads, George Harrison would have been in serious trouble. Instead, these were just wild women. And her memory was she managed to tear one of the buttons off his jacket. <laughs> she was proud of this. And she was pushed and kicked away by George Harrison, who shouted a very blunt obscenity to her and the other women around her. And I'm with George on that one. Hashtag me too goes both ways. You should not be assaulting performers just because you really fancy them. That's just all kinds of wrong. But while I'm describing this, there's also, I think most men would love to be in that situation. Now, obviously, if you're a gay man, maybe. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You'd like a whole 
room of men just screaming at you saying how much they love you. But in my case, as a heterosexual male, I would love the idea of all these women just wanting me and screaming at me and, and crying because they're not with me. It's kind of a nice feeling for almost any performer. But what's interesting is that's faded away. That is just not what happens when Taylor Swift goes on stage or Coldplay goes on stage. Oh, don't get me wrong. People cheer and applaud. And when they say, let's go crazy, they do to a limited extent. Also, with modern mobile phones, cell phones, people just get them out and start recording the whole thing rather than actually paying attention to being in the moment, which is something that I think the next generation is sadly missing out of. Elvis was just going from strength to strength. But then, in 1958, he got his draft papers, because we are still in the era of the draft in America. This was obviously going to be a thing in Vietnam as well, but this is predates Vietnam, 1958. In essence, he got lucky. If he had been born ten years earlier, he might have ended up in World War II. He might have ended up in Korea. But in 1958, Korea had been over for five years, and it was a good seven years before Vietnam would start heating up. So he happened to go into the army at exactly the right time when not a lot was going to happen. And he made it up to sergeant and he was stationed in Germany. This is the Cold War era. I say Germany, of course, technically, I mean West Germany. And all of the accounts of him being in the army was he was a model soldier. He didn't want any star treatment. He took his role seriously. Again, going back to the first thing I said about Elvis Presley being a proud American, he served his country with not a grumble or complaint, and he seemed to kind of enjoy it. Indeed, I did read years and years ago, so I can't tell you the name of it. Although, for all of you Warhammer fans, it's a Dark Future book from the 90s. Yeah, there was a game which was sort of like Mad Max called Dark Future, and it was an alternate reality of today, or at least the 1980s, 1990s, one of the book stars, Colonel Elvis Presley, and the situation was he never left the army. So by the 1980s, he was a man in his 50s, and he was a very skilled military personnel member. And there's a scene, obviously, in the book where he accidentally puts the wrong Thing into the car stereo and some of his music from the 50s plays out, which could have been a thing that he ended up doing. In a way, we would have lost a lot of music, but he might have actually lived a lot later. He could, in theory, just about, it'd be pretty lucky, but it's not impossible. He would be in his early 90s if he was today still alive. It's possible. It's feasible, is what I'm saying. It's worth remembering that Colonel Tom Parker, he died in 1997. He was born in 1909 as well, so he was in his late 80s. So this is the thing, when when Elvis dies, spoiler alert, in case you didn't know. You do know Elvis is dead, right? No, Elvis is not dead, he just went home. <laughs> in 1977, he wasn't very old. The man was 42. And I am now well past 42, even as a kid, I kind of understood that that was not a particularly old age. But today? Wow, that's young. And we'll come to the ignominious bit later. So he comes back in the 1960s, literally 1960, and Colonel Tom Parker then snaffles him up again. He is his meal ticket from his perspective. 
and starts putting him into Hollywood movies. And what's interesting is a couple of his early Hollywood movies, he shows talent. And when you see some other singers who have also done some movies, it can work. Chris Christopherson, pretty good at both of those things. Barbara Streisand, pretty good at both those things. There are lots of people out there that can do them. And indeed, over the years, he wanted to make more serious movies. But what were the movies that people were going to go and see? Well, he made three films in Hawaii, which, like all great musicals, had a basic plot. And then there was some breakout reason where everyone's going to start singing and dancing, which in the 1960s, bright, bold, colourful, it would fit. And it fitted in with a lot of the other musicals that were coming out in the 1960s. We talk about the great songs, Heartbreak Hotel, Hound Dog, Love Me Tender. You ain't nothing but a heartbreak hotel where I'll be all the time. Never let me go. Down at the end of Lone Street, that Hound Dog Hotel. For my darling, I love you. And you ain't no friend of mine. Great, great songs, don't get me wrong. But he made some stinkers as well. Swinging Little Guitar Man, that's one which most people don't know, but that's a really good song. So, yeah, he's done loads of them. And I haven't even got to some of the later songs, which also are absolute bangers, as I believe the youth say today. However, Rockahula is not one of them. This is why I'm kind of hoping that Greg throws in a little taster of it. Yeah. yeah. No comments. So, <laughs> what was interesting is you get John Lennon saying in 1977 on the announcement of Elvis dying, is he rather pithily said, Elvis died in the army. And what he meant was that that young rebel, that young spark, that anti-authoritarian was all those jagged edges were knocked out of him in the army but I'm going to say more obviously by Colonel Tom Parker, who just wanted to make money. And whereas, yes, a few of his films are worth watching, a lot of them are rather cheap cash grabs, to be blunt. And this is where I will give Baz Luhrmann some credit. He does a very good job of reproducing the look and style and editing techniques of those 60s films in the movie Elvis. He calms down and he shows his actual directorial expertise in those moments so okay well done Baz and so we're into the 60s and by now Elvis is a bit of a joke it isn't quite my parents listen to Elvis and I'm listening to the Beatles but as I've said before music moves faster than anything else I'm aware of I go and see the same films my kids go and see. I play the same video games. I know the same stuff as them on Netflix. They listen to a lot of my music, and they're pretty well versed on the 80s and 90s. But they will be listening to a tune, and I've got no idea. And these bands, all these bands, it, and it's been like this since the 1950s. Sometimes they have a band, a singer, has a red-hot track, that is hot for one summer and you never hear from them again. And that's the song that's played at all the parties. And as a 50-year-old man, 
I'm not invited to many parties anymore, certainly not ones where they're playing the latest banging tunes, says Jem, really trying to get in with kids on this one. Whatever you say, boy. So, by 1968, he's just irrelevant. The movies aren't making as much money. The big fuss about Elvis opening a film, well, if you make eight years of increasingly low-quality product, people get less interested in the product. It's as simple as that. It's a cash grab. And Colonel Tom Parker at no point worried about his credibility. He just wanted to make money out of him. He is squeezing him dry. And again, because Tom Parker couldn't travel the world, he was the one who started to influence Elvis into, why don't you stay in one place and let the world come to you? So we end up getting the International Hotel, which had the largest studio and largest stage in Vegas. It was the perfect place for Elvis to start experimenting with what he called his big sound, his big band sound. And a lot of his later songs, like Caught in a Trap, that is an amazing song with amazing orchestration. But he isn't writing all of this stuff. As somebody once said, if somebody keeps being manipulated by somebody, that's not usually a sign of intelligence. And when Elvis was told what to do by Colonel Tom Parker in the 50s, he did what Tom Parker said. Then when he went into the army, he did exactly what the army told him to do. He was never really his own man. He loved singing and performing. Clearly he loved doing that. He loved the audience. He never wanted to let an audience down. He was very professional in regards to that. But he's not writing all this stuff himself. He never was able to read music. And he was duped for 25 odd years by Colonel Tom Parker. And that's not a great thing to say. Sorry. In 1968, several things happen. So we're, we're starting to move into the Vegas period. But also, we get the 1968 comeback. So by then, he's with an audience that are in 68. That's when Sergeant Pepper came out. 68, that's the Tet Offensive. This is about as alien as the 50s rock and roll as you're going to get. And he had a completely different look. He had this black leather jacket and black leather trousers and black boots. And he's there sitting in the round. He's like in a rectangle surrounded by all these young people. And he puts his heart and soul into the music. And everybody who saw that comeback tour or saw that comeback special thought it was amazing. It's available. I saw it on TV. I have no idea if it's available online. I would encourage you to watch it. But again, when he's singing and he's dripping with sweat because underneath all that leather, which doesn't let your skin breathe, and those hot studio lights, it's in colour as well. I imagine he was fairly uncomfortable, but he looks cool and he sings his heart out. Until, in between, he's sitting there reading pieces of paper, he's ad-libbing things with the audience. You can tell he's a nice guy. Again, he doesn't come across as the smartest guy in the room. This man will never be a stand-up comic. But hey, we're talking about a man who has sold in excess of 500 million records. That's not downloads. That is actual physical sales. 
he has had more number one hits than any other act in history. And I'm going to say ever again, I find it fascinating. I've been talking to my kids and some of their friends and equivalent age people in the family. And when I was 17, I knew exactly what was number one. Going and watching Top of the Pops, it was exciting to know what's the new number one or is that song I really like going up the charts. Kids today have no idea. It is still recorded. And now that downloads, I think one download counts as one-tenth of a single sale. So 10 people have to download it to count as one single sale. I could be wrong, but the point is they do recognize that a download isn't as much as people actually buying music. It begs the question, who's still buying music? I cannot remember the last time I physically bought a CD. In fact, the uh, only place I could play a CD, I'm just thinking about it right now, is in the car. And I don't do that. I just Bluetooth my phone and play Apple Music. Well, I don't actually have Apple Music. I'm still old enough that I actually have music that I paid for on my Apple phone. I know, okay? I'm just... I don't want to subscribe to music. I don't listen to enough music to warrant that. If I like a tune, I'll download it for 99p. Or if I remember a tune from my youth, I recently recently uh, downloaded the Soup Dragons, I'm Free to Be What I Want Any Old Time. If you remember that one from the 80s, banging tune. Oh, happy memories. It just popped into my head after I saw a movie. Anyway, so... 68, we get the comeback to now he's relevant again, and he is selling out Vegas. That's the other thing that's worth remembering. There's also, he does a live event, a live concert in Hawaii called Aloha from Hawaii in 1970. More than a billion people around the world watch that. It's the first time that you've ever had a concert like that broadcast around the world, and also the first time you've had a billion people watching anything. More people saw that than the moon landings. Now, partly that's because of, well, it's only a year later. It's, it's amazing. It's phenomenal. The guy genuinely was the top dog in the world. And of course, he's doing this. He's being innovative, at least with technology, by Colonel Tom Parker, in 1970, the same year that the Beatles split up. So he was big before the Beatles, and he's big after the Beatles, Graceland, the place where he lived, becomes an epicenter of his creativity. But also, this is where we get into the grim end story. By now, he's having problems with tiredness, fatigue. So he's taking various artificial stimulants, which means he's having problems sleeping. So then he's taking various downers to get him to sleep. And he's just getting a cocktail of drugs, which is when people start doing Elvis impressions, kind of do the slurring things like that, um, they're doing late Elvis. If you listen to him from the 50s, he doesn't have that slurring. He's slurring because of all of the drugs coursing through his system. And he also, this is the problem both with monarchies and also with Elvis, nobody's telling him no. So he's eating more and more calorific foods, these ridiculous burgers dripping in bacon and maple syrup and cheese, and it's just all an accident waiting to happen. And infamously, he dies in 1977 on the toilet. An ignominious end for a king. So I want to now flip it over and say, well, if, if that's the life and times of the king of rock and roll, Let's talk a little bit about the history of actual kings. Although, of course, 
Elvis Presley, in a way, is the story of the 20th century. He did so many things that impacted that era. And I'm going to say the very first king on record is from the ancient Sumerian civilization. And his name is Alulim. Alulim is the first recorded king in history. But everybody agrees that he's legendary. Why? Well, according to the records, he ruled for about 30,000 years. <laughs> and that makes him potentially not a real guy. But with the advent of writing, we get the advent of titles and things like that. And it's interesting that pretty much the moment we get writing, we get kings. And for the record, it's called different things. In Latin, it's rex. In the Middle East, it's Shah. In Far East, it's Khan. And in Anglo-Saxon, it's C-Y-N-G, King. So King is very much the English name, but the same process is across the globe. And an example of this is when you get to the emperors, and we don't have time to go into emperors as opposed to kings, but basically an emperor is somebody who's so powerful they have several kingdoms underneath them they're mo more powerful than just one nation one people they have multiple cultures underneath them maybe multiple languages etc so with that in mind as i said in the middle east you get the term shah but for the persian emperors you know the persian empire fighting the greeks and all that good stuff they were the shah and shah which if you translate it is king of kings and if that sounds familiar, that's the title people give Jesus in the Bible. And that's important because who was the biggest enemy and threat to the Roman Empire? It was the Persians. So by calling Jesus Shah in Shah, or King of Kings, that's showing that he has the power to challenge the whole might of the Roman Empire. So it's a political statement in a book of faith, which I love that fact. And so when it comes to kings as a whole, I've said this many times before, but the point of a king, the difference between a king and a prime minister and a president is a king is anointed in some way. Every culture does it differently. In Europe, generally you get a chrism, a balm that has been prayed by various holy men, quite often the Pope in the Middle Ages. And this chrism is put onto your forehead when the crown is put on it. It means that you are no longer a man or a a, a human you are now semi-divine and this is why to actually stand up against a king is big trouble for you because you're standing up against god this is why treason was dealt with so seriously for many practical reasons as well but it also means that you can't possibly depose somebody who's semi-divine which has led to civil wars over the time once we get to democracy nobody is semi-divine in theory nobody's better than anybody else which means we can start replacing them so that's why, over the years, kings have faded away. I've mentioned on many times things like revolutions and civil wars, etc. Not going to go into that, but I find it fascinating that a title that is one of the first titles of authority written in some of the very earliest annals, the Alulim story was written down about 4,000 years ago, to give you an idea. So all of this wrapped together gives you an amazing story about kings. That's it from me. Please look, click subscribe, reach out to me. I'm at Jem Daducci on Twitter, X and, and threads. And as always, another episode coming soon.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.